Welcome to Showing Our Sass, the podcast. I am your host, Marta Gwen, and this season I am thrilled to introduce my good friend, A.C. Atre Mali, author Snodgrass, as we tackle topics that tend to make people clutch their pearls, especially when it comes to health and wellness. This season, we are going to tackle all kinds of topics related to taking control of our health, and we promise not to pull our punches, because we are living through a time where we just don't have time to play about our health. AC is one of those people who are driven to fight for what's right, whether it's raising awareness for her community of persons living with type 1 diabetes or pushing for fair and equitable treatment of union workers. AC uses her body and her voice to help others. AC also has a habit of trying on a lot of other people's clothes and dancing in front of cameras. You might call her a model, but she would say she just has fun doing things she loves. So without further ado, I present to you Showing Our Sass, Season 1. Let's get into it. In Iowa, I mean, I can think it's totally out of the sex talk and tell you, because this, this was something I was waiting to tell you this on air. Uh-oh. I accidentally ran across information on the first guy who ever called me the N-word in Iowa when I was in third grade. I found him. I wasn't necessarily thinking I was going to find him. I was looking for something else and I saw him and I thought, wow. And it took me to a whole different place. But I think about how poor his social education was Mm -hmm. at that point in Iowa, a place that was highly progressive when we were growing up there. But this guy, when he was a little boy, thought that the best thing he could do to hurt me was to Essentially, I mean, it was a transformative moment. Every, I think every Black person knows about the first time someone ever called them the N-word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at that, I think, well, you know, there were a lot of other things. I remember other stuff. Uh, this was the, the, the misinformation side of it. When it came to drugs, people still weren't really comfortable talking about drugs even then. That's why they created the D.A.R.E. program. But they used to talk about how there was a, a, a there was somebody who went and seeded ditches with marijuana. This really did happen. There was a very weak strand of marijuana that grew in the ditches around Corville <laughs> when we were young. And kids would go and they would they would try to find it and they would like chew on it, trying to see if they could go ahead and yes, weird stuff. I mean, also people did tip cows and things like that. I mean, the things that you do when you're in a community where, you know, people are bored. Yeah. And, yeah. and they just do weird things. So I can't imagine. Um I mean, when we were living there, people didn't talk about domestic abuse. Um, I encountered a situation where I had a friend whose mother and bigger sister were being beat by the man who was living with them. And I think and praise God that I had the parents that I had so I could go and say something and they did what they could, you know, within the law to try to uh, uh, get help for that situation. There are lots of taboo topics that can come up, even when you're in a university town where, generally speaking, people are rather progressive about what they feel. You know, they feel they're liberal, you know, that they're they're more accepting and stuff. But on the whole, when it comes to this subject, subject, we don't we don't fully take advantage of uh, schools in doing a good job of educating on reproductive health. We don't maximize the church structure in that way. And you have to, now now young people have the resource of the internet which is wonderful but highly unregulated 
And mm-hmm. so you could you could type in something and you could look up saying, you know, um, what does it mean if my dick gets hard, you know, and I can't get it to go down? You know, I mean, if you type certain keywords into Google, yeah. it could make our jaws drop. And it takes a lot for our jaws to drop because people are embarrassed. And so they go and they ask the great and glorious Google to find an answer for them. Well, Google's just a database. It's just going to try to pull based on keywords. It can send you to something that says that you should shove a broom up your mouha. <laughs> and I mean, how in the world is that a good idea? But you know what? It's funny that you're saying that because I think when it comes to with the, with the topic of sex and sexual health and on the topic of what is okay in your home is di- is different than what's okay in other people's homes. I spoke about this a lot, uh, but I lived in a very open, very comfortable household. And so I knew all body parts of every type of gender that there was, whatever, or that there is. And so I didn't, there was nothing about the human body that confused me that I didn't understand. It's just, we were just very comfortable people. And I remember we lived in a, uh, in a, an apartment, an apartment in Iowa, talking about Iowa. And there was a kid that was drawing uh, what I found out to be a penis on the wall because I didn't know what that was. I said, hey, because you know you can take a rock and you can use the rock to draw a brick. You know what I'm talking about? So the kid's doing that and it, I didn't know what I, what that was. I'm like, oh, because I love to draw. And I'm like, well, what is that? And they were like, it's a penis. And I said, it's not a penis. Whisper. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a penis. And I was like, it's not a penis. I was like, it had this. It's turned the other way. And it has hair and I'm just going to town. And it's like, that's what, a, you know, I'm, I'm the artist that I felt that I was. And the adult came and said, what's that? And I was like, it's a, the kid didn't have it right. So I'm explaining what, and I was in kindergarten at the time. So I'm like, it's, a, it's, it's, or oh, even kindergarten, first grade. I'm like, it's a penis. And oh, they got all mad at me and sent me home. And I asked my mom about it. And I was like, mom, this, they said I, and I was being bad at that. And she's like, well, you know, there's a thing called private parts. You know how we put underwear on and we put shirts on and then we go outside. I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, those things are private parts. And so some people take it private to the next level to where they don't even walk around their houses in their homes with their private parts out. They don't, they keep clothing on all the time. Blew my mind. So, <laughs> so this person feels uncomfortable with their child knowing what those private parts look like because they don't, you know, show, you know, they don't, whatever. And I, my, my mind exploded. And so I was like, so what's the punch though with people that are uncomfortable? But I'm like, what's nothing to be uncomfortable about? It's like arms and legs and it, I didn't get it. And so she's like, it's just what it is. And so no, you're not in trouble. Uh, it's totally normal because this this is just how we are. There's no, it's not a big deal. So, cause I, was, I didn't want to get in trouble. I was a big kid, but I don't want to get in trouble. That was my thing. But well, as I learned, moved, there were things that were okay at home that were not, yeah, okay, outside. not okay outside. And it <laughs> wasn't that we were doing wrong. It was that you got to be considerate of the people oh, who are in your community and where they are. Yeah. And, and so that was, that was the thing. Was that I remember that conversation because she's like, it's all good, nothing wrong with it. Live your life. You know, I understand what they said, but you're not wrong for that. Okay, fine. The other one was my dad in Santa Claus. So he, he was like, hey, you know, in this, in this country, you know, the parents lie to their children about Santa Claus. They lie to them. So you don't have to tell these children the truth. But if they ask you, you can tell them the truth. But they lie to their parents here. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay. You know, because we weren't really raised. Specific. I, I knew what Santa Claus was, but I wasn't raised in Santa Claus to believe. Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, yeah, Easter Bunny, we, we did other things, but it was like, you know, it, that's just how it was. And so when I went to school, we went to Iowa specifically. Because Santa Claus is big. Huge in the Midwest. 
huge. Yeah, we went, it was huge. So we went there and it was like, oh my God, what did Santa get you? Santa, 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 Santa. And I'm like, oh, this is what my dad was talking about. I'm being tested. So I was like, nothing. Because I didn't want to lie. Because he didn't give me nothing. My daddy got me everything or my mom or whoever. And they were like, he didn't get you anything? Oh my gosh, Santa didn't get you anything? And I was like, they're not going to let this go. And it was difficult to live like that. But it, it carried on to like fourth grade. Kids really believe in this. But my point being, again, is that if we're putting this on the on the topic of sex, if in your house people openly talk about sex and people openly understand reproductive health and people are open about how the body can do these things and those things and what these things are, you it doesn't always mean that you can go into a space and a place where they're going to feel comfortable. And so that's the issue. If we are truly going to try to make a community that is open with this, there's going to be those who are like, I don't want my kids to know anything until they're having sex with someone and they're going to magically figure it out. It's like, oh. Okay, because they even in Iowa they had they gave us we had to write, write you know sign permission slips. You know some kids that stepped out when they had the sex talk because yep, we had yep. this, like, I remember thing when I was in the fourth grade. It was very it was, that was so weird though to do that. I mean I get the respecting everybody, but it's just the idea that I guess now people have other options where they would say, well, if the public school is going to do that, since we were in public school, if the public school is going to do that, if I'm not comfortable, if I'm not ready for my child to have that, then I'm going to pull my child out of that structure and I will take responsibility for the education and introduce those concepts when I'm level ready. As a parent, you do have that right to do that because you are charged with the responsibility of rearing that child. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful my parents didn't do that to me because... I prefer, I'm a kid who needed information. I know women, I know, this is the same thing. I'm friends with, because my husband is 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 older than me, my spectrum of friendship is wide. I've got friends in their 20s. I've got friends in, in, in And we hadn't talked about that either because right up until now, we were pretty much probably having people assume we were talking about people who were in the same age categories. When you add, you know, a couple of years yes. of difference in there too. Changes. I, and that's the thing is that I've, because my spectrum of friendship is wide, I'm literally talking to girls in their 20s and even younger than that. But I'm saying like friends, I consider friends, girls in their early to mid 20s and ladies in their 60s and how yep. they don't know what's going on with their bodies. And so mm -hmm. as women that are like, I don't, I don't know, man, we're going to change. I don't know. Is this, is this typical? Is this normal? And their mothers never talk to them about it. So they don't know. They're spotting or their cycle will skip. There's so many women that are saying, maybe I'm pregnant because I, I don't know because my cycle skipped. And I'm like, well, you are this age. And so it kind of makes... You think that's what, how, why is it that you don't know this yet? I'm not knocking you or judging you. Perimenopause. Most perimenopause, women do not know what that is. They don't know. And, and, and nobody is setting them down and talking to them. There are so many things that happen with women and their bodies that, that adult, older women are not talking to the younger women who are talking to the young women. And we need to really have this conversation because I'm sitting there seeing people flip out because they don't know what's what's going on at any stage of their lives. Now going back to men, like you said, bodies change, things shift, blah, blah, blah. But again, we know you gotta go to the doctor once a year for your mammogram when you're over a certain age and for your female health this time, blah, blah, blah. even men know that women should go to the, the doctor once a year. How many men, especially when they're in their twenties and thirties are going to the doctor every single year? How many men do you think? And, and I'm gonna put the onus again, on, on our men, on African-American men. That's, that's, we have to increase our, our men's intentions when it comes to their personal health. And so it's like, when things shift and change, you truly aren't gonna know what's going on if you haven't even known what your norm is from your hormonal tests and whatever else you gotta get, got, get going on. 
And so it's like, it's, it's the whole thing is lack of education, lack of understanding. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because like you said, it can create so much dissension in the multiple relationships. Men like for prime example, um, again, I was introduced more so to all these things when I had the job that I had, but there's a term why they say grumpy old men. When, a, when, a, when an older man's testosterone, or any, I can't say older, any man, when his testosterone drops, it makes him moody. Much mm -hmm. like a woman with PMS, much like a woman going through menopause, it makes them moody. We just they think, don't oh, talk about that though. They don't talk about that. They're saying, oh, it is, it, he's, he's decisive and he's strong and he's just particular. But the term grumpy old men is specifically because their T cells have dropped. And so it's going to make them irritable. So we talk about women's bodies changing and shifting, but we're not giving men the same understanding because they don't even know. They can't even defend their behavior because they don't even know that's what's going on because they don't even take the time to really understand their bodies. So mm -hmm. it's it's like, it's it's funny. I was talking to a friend of mine. She's like, man, my daddy has been snapping. And she's younger. So her dad is like, maybe in the 60s or something like that. So, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yeah, he's, he's getting older. So that's going to happen. That's about I'm, when it happens. That's when it happens, especially. I mean, 50s, 60s, it was about even 40s. I mean, things change. And so I was like, so what's he doing? She's like, he's, he's just fussing. He's getting, he's getting biting with my mama. He get everybody nerves. I was like, oh, he probably gets T-cells checked or whatever. He's going through the change. He's going through the, the change. The change. And it happens with us. My mama was, was a little grumpy. It happens. So it's like it's totally. But societally, we expect that we we yeah. have the conversation about women going through the change, and the reason I think we have it is because it's like that means we finally free of the fear of getting pregnant without wanting to get pregnant. Yes, and you're free so just pregnant. like because <laughs> just like in uh, American Pie, where there was the whole thing of the shaming that goes on with the the boy, and we we put that in our society. We have put that into our stories, our plays, our movies and whatnot. The whole thing about women who've gone through the change because, you know, their hormones are all over the place and then all of a sudden they want to have sex and it's the whole mm -hmm. um, Mrs. Robinson thing. You yes. know, I mean, it, it's like a rediscovery of yourself because yes. you no longer have that uterus pumping certain things at you, you yes. know, in, in that way because it's moved to its next higher level. Yes, yes. Right? And, and the balance that is your hormones. And so there's yeah. a, and you know, as a woman, and I, I know as a woman, and having a spectrum of friendship, there is a beauty in women when they have a complete balance yes. of their hormones. It's like they're making sense. It's like their wisdom is just popping off. It's just like, boom, there's, there's beautiful, it's a beautiful, it's just beautiful. It, it it's really harder is. to rattle us when we have exactly. hormonal balance. You just like whatever. Everybody's like, I love that she on her grown woman. Yeah, a grown woman. That we can command a nuclear submarine without training, almost. It just because, and I'm, I'm being facetious, but I mean, <laughs> it's just there's there's something about we we are plugged into our whole selves yes, when we yeah. have that, and that's why I'm like to ignore the significance of hormonal education. Let's go there. When you're a child, so your 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 body is already pinging all over the place. It's trying to figure out where you're going to settle out, how how your body's going to compose itself for the purposes of how you're going to live your life. So you already know stuff is out of balance. So you will go ahead and throw uh, progesterone and um, and uh, estrogen in a combination in there. And when we were kids, they didn't understand the science well enough to adjust the doses because this is the thing people don't remember: birth control pills happened in the seventies our mother's gen a grown generation, okay? Mm -hmm. So we were the first child generation 
to have that stuff experimented on with us. People don't think about that. They think, oh, birth control pills, oh yeah, around in the 50s or whatever. No, not FDA approved stuff. Back in the 50s, you're confusing history. That's back when women were going in back alleys and getting coat hanger abortions and stuff like that. Let's just call it what it is. Women's reproductive health has made leaps and bounds in this country. Since yeah. the 1950s, we got a long way to when, go. Definitely better. We than got a long way to go, but my God, we don't have preferably we don't have as much of that going on, which is why it's so important that we watch this discussion about women's health that's going yeah. on. We have to be active in this. We can't leave this to somebody else to go ahead and make decisions for us. We have to use our voices. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't want to get away from this without admitting this too. Um, there are traumas that mm-hmm. many of us battle with, especially in the African-American community related to feeling safe going to healthcare professionals. Yes. Because of experiences that we have had in different places. I can, I can speak to my personal experience. I have had the occasion where people made mistakes with my medical records because they would pull my mother's file instead of mine because we have the same first and last name. Well, had the same first and last name, and they didn't take the time and attention and care to see that the middle name was different, the social security numbers were different, and that had to do with poor staffing at the office where where we were both going. From that moment forward, I never felt safe having the same doctor as my mother mm-hmm. because my mother and I are different people. I was given access to her medical records one time because. They just left it on the table and I was bored. So I picked it up. I I figured I was going to read my chart. And I was like, whoa. And had I not done that, I wouldn't have known that. And and a doctor could have made wrong decisions on behalf of my mother and I in the future. So that's one. Um, The one that I still struggle with, and I'm going to try not to get emotional about this. The one I still struggle with is that when I was in college, um, that was the first time I moved away from home. So my medical records got disrupted then because it's hard to, you have to, you had to physically move your own record from doctor to doctor at that time because they didn't have a good system for that. And so my medical record history is a mess. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a flipping mess. And I'm probably going to sit down again and just go through and give the best recall I have of different things and whatnot to recompose uh, that when I finally find the doctor I'm really comfortable with, cause I'm still on the search. I'm still mm-hmm. on the hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, just being just being real, but this this traumatic experience happened in these Jackson, Mississippi. I'd asked around um, for recommendations of who I could go to because I knew I needed to go, and I believe my family raised me saying you need to go to the doctor um, um, regularly for your annual checkups. And I go into this doctor, and you've heard the story before, but I'm telling it for the purpose of everybody. I go to this doctor who came highly recommended. In the course of talking, I revealed to him that I have never had sex. Mm-hmm. the entire experience went downhill from there because first he didn't believe me traumatic second i mean i'm like you're looking at my you're looking at my whole vagina and everything clearly there hasn't been a whole lot of stuff going on down there uh, but he didn't believe me um he carried on with the exam i'm uncomfortable now because of the the language that's going on with this this was a, obviously a man um, and it was actually the last time I ever let a man examine me. That's how traumatic this was for me. Um, but the worst part was when we got done and I went and I was getting ready to put my clothes back on. Um, he He's getting ready to go out of the room. He opens the door and he yells out the hallway to someone to bring him some birth control pills so he can help his brothers out. 
I will never not hear those words ringing in my ear. I was horrified because I I had decided I wasn't going to be on birth control pills when I went to college. I just wasn't going to have sex. And that was how we were going to solve the concern that people had because I'd had a horrible experience. Women in my family have difficulty on birth control. It was something that I didn't find out about until I had to dig and ask, um, you know, several women in my family to kind of stitch together a picture, which they didn't even know because they hadn't talked about it. Um, But he was yelling at someone to bring him birth control pills to give to me so that I could be in the pool of women who were sexually active, I guess, in Jackson, Mississippi, Mississippi, the state that has the highest incidences and even then had the highest incidence of HIV AIDS and and many other things, but that was the big one. Hi, this is Future Martyr jumping in. I got to give y'all a little bit of grounding for this so you can understand what was really going on in Jackson, Mississippi around this time that I'm talking about. Uh, I went ahead and pulled some stats from the Mississippi Department of Health, and I'm just going to run those for you real quick so you can understand the context fully before we move on in this conversation. So uh, check me if you want to, but I'm going to pull the facts and put them down in the description so you can go ahead and see where I pulled it from. According to the Mississippi Department of Health, among the estimated 1.2 million persons living with HIV in the United States in 2011, a couple years after I graduated college, 14% or one in seven individuals had undiagnosed infections of HIV. According to the 2013 Youth Risk Behavior Survey data, 54.2% of Mississippi high school students reported having sexual intercourse. Despite the high number of sexually active youth in Mississippi from 2001 to 2013, there has been a significant increase in the percentage of students who were never taught about HIV AIDS in school. But wait, there's more. In calendar year 2014, the rate of syphilis was 6.3 per 100,000 individuals. Congenital syphilis transmission from mother to infant was also a significant issue. In 2014, Mississippi ranked second in the nation for both chlamydial and gonorrheal infections. Yum. And finally, based on the 2014 HIV surveillance data, the CDC ranked Mississippi ninth in the nation for diagnosed HIV infection. Among the metropolitan statistical area, Jackson, MSA, where I lived, um, the CDC ranked it as fourth for diagnosed HIV infections. So, uh, yeah. All right, now don't get it twisted. I love Mississippi. I married a man from Mississippi. Mississippi is always gonna have my heart in many, many ways. In fact, I married a man from Mississippi who I went to college with. Um, I love Mississippi, but let's let's be real, y'all. Like, with that kind of information, as data-driven as I was in college, and y'all have heard a little bit of how nerdy I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't gonna be dipping and slipping around there without some significant assurance. I still Mm. have to breathe through recounting that story. Mm. And it affected me so much that I have never let another male doctor examine me after that. I was traumatized for that because I had to then walk out of that office in front of all the people he had yelled to to go um, bring this birth control. I had to stand there and sign out knowing that this man had just announced basically everybody that I was a, a, a virgin walking, <laughs> right? I was a sophomore. Um, I was horrified. 
Mm. And I mean, when you have that, like, I still have to step through the anxiety mm-hmm. of, of having had a betrayed trust mm. in a healthcare professional who made me feel like something was wrong with me because I wasn't out there slanging and jumping and monkeying on the stick. I mean, because even there are people that are in monogamous loving relationships mm-hmm. who are choosing to have sex even in sophomore, as sophomores in college. It's your choice. And it sounds as if he was making, uh, obviously, it doesn't sound like, it sounds like he's making a joke of your choice. And I've been in, yeah. you know, and, and so even, even with, whether it's sexual health or any form or part of health, a doctor should know not to negatively comment or jokingly comment on anybody's life choice. I, my first time going to a gynecologist, I set it up for was I 18 or 21, maybe I was 21. And I was like, I'm gonna specifically, I'm gonna finally go to the gynecologist because I've done everything else at the age that you're supposed to know when you go to the doctor. So I was like, I'm gonna go, I'm never going, so I'm gonna go. And um, they usually tell you once you're sexually active, you should go every year. But I, again, I wasn't sexually active yet, like you said. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. Uh, it was an older gentleman. Um, I had no concept of what to expect. I was just like, I'm, I'm at the gynecologist. I had gone before for different reasons, but I never had a pap smear. So I just thought that you're supposed to just have it done, not knowing that pap smears are usually for the purpose of checking for uh, things that, that are communicable through sex. I didn't know. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to go because I should be going. And I went to... And actually, when you go to a pediatrician, you're supposed to go even past 18 because people still grow, like their bodies are still growing. So you're supposed to go to a pediatrician until your body stops growing. And I was yeah. still growing through college. And so I was going to a pediatrician probably far longer than most people were. Uh, but I, I, I grew in height. I kept, I was I'm six feet, five, 11. So I just kept growing. So they told me, us, okay. And I wasn't having sex. And so it wasn't a thing. So I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to transition. So I go to the doctor. And this man, had baseball mitts for hands. And I explained to him, I've never had sex before. And so, you know, I don't know if that makes a difference. I'm just telling everything about my vagina that I can tell them because I don't know what I'm supposed to even tell you because it's my first time going to the doctor. Whatever, put my legs up in a stirrup. Child, he had baseball mitts. And it was hands down one of the most painful experiences. You used a speculum that was entirely too big, didn't even mm-hmm. care. And I started bleeding. And he was like, oh, are you... You're, I was like, no, that's because you just ripped me, basically. You know, yeah. like, and so it was crazy. So I'm in the elevator, like sobbing. I called my sister and she was like, yeah, it sucks. You know, I, I, I know, I hate it. You don't have to go until you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so unless you're having like major issues, whatever, whatever, like just don't worry about it. And I was just so, um, I felt violated. I felt very traumatized. And I was like wincing and telling me this is uncomfortable. And he was just like, oh, that's uncomfortable. It's okay, soft, soft, soft. You'll be all right. And it wasn't that slow down, like chill. Like it it was, I felt very violated. And so um, I never went back to him. I found mm-hmm. a different gynecologist. Um, I explained her the same thing and she was wonderful. She listened mm-hmm. and she had like ribbons and silk curtains and stuff. She, she would uh, have this little fog scented machine that was creating this wonderful oh yes to put you at ease because as a woman just and and you know this is very applicable to the discussion of sex blending the sex and and, uh sexual health we need to be put at ease yes anytime you're dealing with our bodies in that way because if you're tensed up if you're fearful when you're getting ready to engage in the sex act um you know some of that can stem from having had negative experiences going to the yeah. doctor because the doctor is handling the same, the same equipment. Right. 
essentially yeah. that yeah. that your partner is handling yeah. when and you're nobody, doing all the stuff. If no one else has ever been in that part of your body ever, inside of it, then yep. it, that's your experience of having anything entered into that part of your body. It's like if a man's never been tested for gonorrhea, they put a the little cube up there. You've never, that's not part of your discovering your own body. You're going to be sticking things up it. So mm-hmm. as a man, and so it might be a little traumatizing for him too, but I feel like for most, the men that I have heard that they've had, like when they go to uh, you know clinics and get checked out so they can play sports and make a turning head cough, there's a certain level of, gentleness because men don't usually have to have their bodies accessed in such a way so they yeah. they have told me that the experience was kind of like okay we're gonna they explain it in great detail they talk to you about what they're looking for and why they're about to do a thing that wasn't really particularly my experience when i first went to the gun college they weren't saying hey i'm checking for this i'm looking for that you have any issues with this i'm, I'm feeling you know how they go in there and they feel around for your ovaries that yeah. wasn't discussed he's just elbow deep digging around i don't know what he's i don't know what he's doing so I not telling you not not making you a part of the experience. I'll tell you yeah. something else too. I can't imagine how many people might have dodged going to the doctor because they didn't want the doctor to realize that they were experimenting with anal sex. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't want the doctor to um, come to a conclusion that they were engaging in oral sex because maybe yeah. they didn't want them to know. I mean, because we are so uncomfortable about having these conversations because. You could have a doctor who I kind of feel like that doctor violated my privacy. Yes, yeah, by oh, going out there and yelling. I mean, oh, he didn't yell. Hey, I he got a virgin in here, but I mean, he put me on Jump Street, you know. Yeah, and he, he literally, yeah. And and I mean, it's like, yeah. There's just such a need for us to rethink how we how we engage this whole and uh, I'm subject gonna, matter. I'm gonna say this too. It's interesting. I just saw this little article thing where they were talking about how there are certain questions that are asked of men, but they're not asked of women. And one of the mm-hmm. questions is asking men about their, their sexual health. They ask a man, like, has everything working? Is everything doing? Da-da-da? They've got Viagra. They never ask a woman if she's enjoying the sex that she's having. And so women never. feel like they never. And so I know women that say, oh, I don't like sex. And it's like, hmm, let's talk about that. If I'm a doctor and my patient, after I ask that they don't enjoy sex, vaginal sex, then I want to know why that is. And maybe it could be because sometimes things can be made a certain kind of way where it makes it painful. But they don't know mm-hmm. that's even a problem because they never told their doctor. They just feel like it always hurts to have sex. So I don't want to do it. You can have endometriosis. You can have things that need to be kind of opened up and stuff. It's, you can have a tilted pelvis. It's all these things. But if you never tell the doctor that it hurts to have sex because you're not thinking about sex when you go to the gynecologist, you're thinking about babies or you're thinking about STIs, but you're not thinking about actually the act of enjoying sex then it's a whole part of the purpose of sex that you're missing out on. And so yeah. men talk about this. They're like, hey, is everything, you know, what? But they're like, oh, okay, maybe you need to, I don't know, take this medicine or that medicine or, or watch your cholesterol or DM Or wear some loose draws or something like or that. You know what I mean? It's a conversation yeah. about his sexual enjoyment because, you know what I'm saying, that's what it is. They don't ask women that. They may go, hey, have you experienced some dryness at best, but mm-hmm. you can still have a dry vagina canal instead of a rocking great time it's they're not talking about sexual health or sexual satisfaction and so that's something that were that I, I read in this article where there was a complaint of that lacking in 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 the conversation and i totally agree i've never i'm 37 i've never had that conversation with the doctor that's asked me if i'm enjoying uh sex at all so uh it, but it's, it should be equally important because there's two people that are going to be having sex of poss- and possibly having two different genders that should both yep. enjoy themselves if they're going to have sex. So, it's, yeah. you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. It really is. But 
ironically, there are doctors that are squirming about sex. I, I mean, I, you, you, let me tell you, I'm, I'm telling you, I've gone to the doctor, I've talked about certain body parts. I'm like, well, this happens. That I, I'm, you know me, I'm just, who cares, right? Yeah. And so I'm just talking about whatever is whatever. And they're like, well, maybe you should go to this person for that. And, and I'll, I'll write you with that. And like shutting down the conversation, I'm like, that's not my area, but you're my total body doctor. So like, if this is a yeah. thing, you know what I'm saying? This is before I found the great doctor I have now, but it was a, it was an intern. It's like a, a, you know, and I was like, yeah, this is the thing. And I was like, oh, you should probably go to that. Because I, I mentioned my, my, because I was having an irregular cycle or something like that. And I was like, but well, there I, are people who they, they will choose a specialty on the basis of what they feel most prepared or comfortable I, with I, doing. I, I, if they're not general practice. I, I understand that. But if I go to the, it's not like I'm going to the eye doctor and I'm saying, hey, no. my vagina's doing this, that, and the other. It's me going to an internist and saying, hey, my, it was something very basic, like, hey, my cycle's irregular or something. And they completely were like, um, that's, you should probably go to your, um, and I'm like, yeah, I'm never coming back here if I can't. No, no. Say Michael to you, you know, um, in an older, an older doctor at that, I'm like, you haven't had anybody talk to you about their vagina and like what comes out of it. Like this has never happened to you. So I tell you, I, (laughs) I am thankful that, you know, I have prayerfully come to a place in life now where I'm going to be still for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning that I'm not looking to hop and move any other place because I mean, my whole life has been a couple of years here, a couple of years there, a couple of years there. And that's very disruptive to overall general health. I mean, we actually will have massage chains, but we don't have chains in the sense of being able to keep your stuff going with medical practitioners. I mean, technically, I guess you kind of, if, if, if there's a health system that crosses state lines or whatever it is, like you have no vaunt and you have other ones that are like that, yeah. but, um, but they don't all stretch to all places. I'm, I'm hopeful that I'm going to be able to find um, a place where I feel comfortable mm-hmm. in going where, you know, I'm not just looked at as a number or an insurance file or a race policy number. Yeah, or a race. Yeah, that's or a race. Oh, yeah, because the assumptions yeah. that get made. Yeah, and negative. Because I mean, there are things that are prevalent in certain races or ethnicities that need to be discussed. But when you're so, when you're assuming a certain lifestyle due to the tint and the hue and the glory of my skin, I have an issue with that. I want yeah. you to have a full conversation with me without making assumptions. I've definitely experienced that in my life, and having to fight. I mean, when 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 you are dealing with the chronic illness. You are going to have to fight for your rights like no other. When you are a mm-hmm. black woman dealing with a chronic illness, they're going to assume the worst and it becomes exhausting. But you you begin to sharpen your talents when you're younger on how to be your own advocate. Um, that is true. It is it is something else. I could write a book on that alone. And so I, I feel. Why don't I you? Never thought about it, actually, until this moment. So you just asked me the question. Let's do that. Oh, gosh. Girl. Let me ghostwrite for you. <laughs> if you want to. I'll, I'll we got time. Well, no, I say that because my auntie wrote a whole book about how to keep your black man healthy. That's not the name of her book. Uh, but I, I'll I'll drop that in the uh I'll drop that in the discussion comment section and yeah. uh, uh also some of these other resources because we've been pulling from drugs.com and plannedparenthood.org and a couple other places to make sure that we stayed on track with this even though we are not medical professionals we are totally and we are not representing ourselves as medical yeah. professionals At all. I, as a matter of fact, I'll be back after this. license i don't have a phd so 
everything that you hear coming out of my mouth is from my own personal soul, complete individual uh, opinion. So, but what we are thinking, breathing human beings who happen to be African American, yes. you're African American, and I'm women African American and literally, or I say with immediate African descent, I say that. Yes. So, yes, you are of immediate African descent. Mine yes. is muddled a bit. You yes. <laughs> are all muddled in one way or another. So. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Showing Our Sass, the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. And in fact, we'd love for you to jump in and tell us what you think. Remember to share, like, subscribe, comment, all those good things. And we'll see you again next week.